Come on. Well, hey, welcome. And today is Pentecost Sunday. I'm super excited. And Svetlana, can you put our vision statement up on the screen? Um, if you don't have it memorized, you soon will if you come back. Um, we want to be a church overflowing with God's presence, where we see the lost saved, culture transformed, and God exalted. That started on Pentecost, where his spirit poured out and the world was flipped upside down. We want to see Bellingham flipped upside down, shaken around, and put back down. And so let's, let's see it happen. So the morning, this morning, the title is Pentecost. And um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to step in. Spirit of God, we just say, um, you're welcome. We say everything that competes against your voice, be still. Everything of fear, everything of apathy, anything of bad old experiences, any, any uh, prejudices in the mind, God, any distractions and stresses, Lord, we just say be silent in Jesus' name. And we say, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. We just say like Samuel, speak, Lord, your servants are listening. And everyone said? Amen. 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 Well, if you got a Bible, go to the book of Acts chapter 2. And before we do that, I'm going to read a verse, and then I got something for you. And suddenly there was from, came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. No? Okay, never mind. I thought I had something in their mind. It's okay, Nick. Don't worry about it. I had a little cool clip I wanted to show. Um, Pentecost. Now, for some people, that word might be exciting. Some of you might not be so exciting. For those of you that might be like, that's a little scary, it might be because it's close to another word you might know called Pentecostal. <laughs> Met one of my neighbors a little while ago. And you guys can take that off the screen, actually, the verse. Um, um, and do, is it a little hot in here? Anybody a little warm? Okay, can we, um, Charles, you mind turning on the AC for a little bit? Um, I was talking to a neighbor of mine, and she was walking her dogs down the road, and I mentioned, she's like, oh, what do you do for a living? And, sh and she said she's a private investigator. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And she's like, what do you do for a living? And usually when you mention that you're a pastor, um, you start getting treated like the moral police. Everybody slows down to 25 and they try to be really careful around you. And, but I'm just like, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just, this is who I am. So I'm, hey, I'm a pastor of a church. And she goes, oh, what kind of church? And I say, well, what do you, what do you mean? She's like, you know, no, what, what denomination, what group? And I say, well, assemblies of God. And she goes, oh. <laughs> now, if you are familiar with Pentecostal or Assemblies of God or anything in that thing. There's, there's a wide variety, and there's Pentecostal and charismatic or Assemblies of God churches that seem not very charismatic or Pentecostal and ones that seem very Pentecostal. So you kind of get a big spectrum. But your experience might be something like this. What is the reputation of a Pentecostal? Well, one, often, great music. Believing in the power of the Holy Spirit today people loud, speaking in tongues, people falling down, shaking, people saying things like, God told me, 
an urgency that there is a real heaven, a real hell. Time is short, and we need to put our trust in Jesus now. Evangelism. Jesus is coming back soon. People coming forward to be healed. Demons getting cast out of people. Lots of tears, lots of laughter, expressive worship, passionate. Speaking in good tongues. Did I say that? These are people who say, my God can do anything. The impossible is possible. He is the healer, transformer, deliverer. Pentecostal. In fact, Pentecostals actually make up, Pentecostals and Charismatics make up the largest segment often of the, of the church almost in, globally. It's on track actually to outgrow the Catholic church right now. Five, uh, about 50, 60 years ago, 5% of Africa was evangelical or in the charismatic vein. Today, over 50% of Africa is charismatic or Pentecostal. Latin America, South America, it's growing like this. And I think this is why. Because when you say you're Pentecostal, you say things like, my God can do anything. He's healer, he's transformer, he, he's deliverer, he'll cast out the demon, he'll do anything, you can walk on the water. And people that come from humble places say, you know, I need a God like that. I, I need a God that can change the fact that we we're, don't have enough food, that we're struggling, that my mom is sick, that, that this is going on. I, I need someone to deal with the fact that my son is demon-possessed. I need someone to deal with the fact that my daughter has epilepsy. Can someone help? And typically, in all the poor places of the earth, the poor rise up and say, I need a God that can do the impossible. Now, often when we get a little more rich and a little more affluent, we say, well, there's doctors for that. There's medication for that. There's counseling for that. There's good principles for this and there's good principles for that. And there's nothing wrong with good principles because honestly, the Bible is full of good principles. And if we could just do the principles in the Bible, we'd save ourselves a lot of headache. So I'm not disregarding the good principles of scripture or the need to walk in wisdom. We might, you might be coming forward to pray that, you know, something would change in your life, and God's like, you just need to eat right. Or you need to actually forgive the person in your life. And so there's been this mixture with the space of what it means to be Pentecostal. And in my experience, I can honestly say, I was talking to a friend a while ago, he's a pastor, and he's like, you know, when I grew up in a Pentecostal church, I got a lot of baggage with it. It was kind of hard. I didn't enjoy it. And I said, I had the exact opposite experience. It was awesome. I, I experienced the power of God in powerful ways. I saw people healed. I saw my dad who had walked through a whole bunch of really struggling ministry, 20, 30 years of ministry and stuff. And one day this guy comes up and prays for him. My, my dad falls over, not that that's a spiritual act, but he falls over probably because the presence of God was really impacting him. He's laying there, and he laughed for like an hour and a half. But if you know the story of the struggle and the weights and the stress that was on my dad, and that when he laid, when he got prayed for, God delivered him from all sorts of dryness and struggle, he refreshed his heart. 
But his experience was a little different, my friend. And he was, his experience, he, he felt some of the manipulation. And, and, and the thing is that sometimes what people do is if God does something once in a certain way, we try to manufacture it again. If we just play the keyboard just right, maybe Holy Spirit will come. If we just jump up and down and dance and spin around, maybe God will do that thing again. But it doesn't work that way. But oh man, we try. I will tell you this though. God does show up for a hungry people. A people that say, man, I gotta have him. And so some of the abuses that some people have felt is things like, Beliefs like, if, if you just believe enough, you're going to have it all. Cash, money, success. And, and if you don't have it, it's because you don't have enough faith. You know, Peter walked on the water, not because just he really, really wanted to, but because Jesus said, come. The miraculous is reserved for the space of hearing God's voice and partnering with the voice of God. He walked on water. Jesus said, come, and he had faith, and he stepped out, and he walked on the water. I was down in Vancouver, Washington with a buddy, and he was like, maybe I can walk on the water. And so he tried. It didn't work. Now, I know God has done miraculous, similar things like that in other spaces too. The point is this, hearing his voice. We don't have faith in faith. We have faith in what he is saying. Amen? You with me? You with me? Okay. Secondly, the other thing that sometimes there's been a weird mixture is acceptance through performance. If you would just be good like me, then maybe God would do something good for you. And so people try to earn their way forward into the, the goodness of God, the power of God, the moving of the Spirit, and it don't work that way. It's received by faith. Earning your way is like trying to swim to Hawaii. <laughs> Think about it. You get two guys get an Olympic swimmer, and you get me next to him, and we both start swimming. I'm going to make it about 30 feet, and then I'm going to need a lifeguard. <laughs> that guy's probably going to go about five miles, right? But you know what's going to happen? He's still not going to make it. Because you cannot earn your way. You can only partner your way into the things of God. You can only submit your way into the things of God. And sometimes we get so frustrated with God because we want him to do this and this. And he's saying, yeah, but I'm doing this. Partner with me over here. And you'll see what I have to do. The last one is you have to be emotional to be godly. You better jump. You better have tears. You better run around in circles. Anyone ever been in a service where they were running? Do a little Jericho march. It's kind of fun. You know, it's not about how emotional you are, but I'll tell you what, if God changes your life, it's going to make you emotional. If you experience God's healing power, transforming work, changing your family, working in your life, you're going to get a little emotional. I mean, if we get emotional for the Seahawks, I think we'd get emotional for our lives getting healed. So in some ways, we need a little bit of more emotion, not that we're trying to just worship being emotional, but to say, wow, God, I'm so thankful. You can't help but move a little if you win the lottery. <laughs> and we got the Holy Spirit. 
So what is Pentecost? The word Pentecost, get ready for it. You know what it means? 50. Very exciting. It's an exciting word. It means 50. It's 50 days after the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. Now, that sounds very exciting. This word, Pentecost, relates to the time of the Passover. The Passover was the date when the Jews commemorate coming out of Egypt, the night when the angel of death passed over all the homes. They put the blood of the lamb over the doorpost. The firstborn of all the families without the blood over the doorpost died in those households. It was over the weekend of Passover that Jesus died. His blood then was applied to the hearts of all those who believe in him. He rises from the dead on Easter, and everyone who puts their hope in him has this hope that they'll rise again too. Now here's the fun thing. When God gave the law, because after God, God gave the law, they come down the mountain, and the people of Israel get the law, and then 3,000 people on the, day, on the day of the law given were killed. Why? Because they broke the law, and they were in sin. They killed. The law brought death. On the day of Pentecost, get this, the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God falls on the people. And 3,000 people come into knowing Christ. They come to life in their hearts. The law brings death. The Spirit brings life. Life. I was a little bit Pentecostal right there. I shot some spit right there. <laughs> this is what happens when the Spirit comes. He brings life. Now, I talked about Acts 2 a little bit. What happened on Acts 2? But I want to get to this before I get to that. Zephaniah 3.9. If you've got a Bible, go to Zephaniah 3.9. Old Testament, page 3,201. In my Bible. Actually, I don't have that many pages in my Bible. But Zephaniah 3.9. Do we have it on, this, on the screen? It says this. This is a, the, the prophet Zephaniah sharing. He says, For at that time I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech, that all of them may call upon the name of the Lord and serve him with one accord. He's prophesying about a time that's going to come when he's going to change the language of the peoples to a pure speech. You think about it, English is not so pure. German, even though it's, it's my, you know, my, my ancestry tongue, not so pure. Hebrew, not so pure. Every single language has curse words. It has things in it. It's not a pure language. But what's interesting in this, he says this, a couple things. For then, if you could put that verse up there one more time. For at that time, I will change. In another translation, it actually says, I will restore. Interesting. I'm going to bring back a pure speech. One accord, he's going to make them one people, he's going to bring them a pure speech. Interesting. Go to Genesis chapter 11. It's going to make sense in a little bit. In Genesis chapter 11, there's a story of the tower of what? Anybody know? Babel. Babel means confusion. In fact, Babylon, which is the nation that's there later, 
means this, sown in confusion. Folks, this is our world. Confusion. Sown in confusion, the place of, of, of confusion. And, and this is what happens in Genesis 11. It says this, now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass... And as the people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they settled there. And they said to one another, come, let's make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen or asphalt for, um, for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops to the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the earth. And don't go to the next slide just yet. You're tracking with me. Give it up for Svetlana. She's amazing. But the Lord, get this, and then God decides to see it. And actually go to the next slide. And the Lord came down. What happened on the day of Pentecost? The Lord came down. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had made. And then the next verse, next slide. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And what? Nothing that they propose to do will now become impossible, will now be impossible for them. What? When people are united in one accord of one speech, God says nothing will be impossible for them. So what does God do? It says in the next verses that he came down and he confused their speech. Why did God confuse their speech? Because their united accord, their united effort was bent on this pride. I'm going to build my own thing. We're going we're gonna to build this tower. We're going to build our city. We will ascend to heaven. We got this. Sound familiar? We have the resources, the ingenuity. We know what we're doing. We'll take it over from here, God. Thank you very much. I heard a story a while ago of a, it was kind of a joke, and there's this, this man comes up to God, he walks over to God, and he says, hey God, I just want you to know, as you can see, I'm standing here, we figured out technologically how to find you and how to, how to do things, and, and in fact, actually, we don't need you anymore because we can make our own people. And God's like, oh really? He's like, yeah, we can, we don't, I don't need you anymore, we don't need you anymore, we technologically have figured it all out. Oh, okay, uh, why don't you show me? Okay. So the man bends down, grabs some dirt, and God says, no, 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 hold on. Get your own dirt. <laughs> some of you are still going to get that. That's okay. <laughs> Verse 7 says this. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, that they might not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the earth, and they ceased building the city. You cannot build anything if you don't have common language and united heart. Why do you think Satan fights so hard to keep God's people divided? 
why is this thing about Pentecost and the Holy Spirit sometimes such a hard thing to wrestle with? Why I propose to you that because if we would truly see a move of the Spirit in our midst and be united of one heart and one mind, a pure speech, we would see God do things in and through us that we would just hope that we're just hoping to see now. Nothing is impossible if we would come in his speech and in his ways. Really believe that. Acts 2, 1 through 6 says this. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all of one accord in one place. And suddenly came for sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. The upper room, like it's called here. And divided tongues as a fire appeared on them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devote men from every nation under heaven. Interesting, huh? At this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in their own language. And what were they hearing? They were hearing a pure speech. They were hearing in their language the glories and the praises of God. They were speaking in tongues and God was doing something powerful in their midst. I remember this one time I was praying with this gal and when I don't know how to pray for someone, often I will just stand by them and I, I won't, I'm not yelling, but I'm praying in tongues because I'm not quite sure what to pray and I know the Holy Spirit knows exactly what needs to come out. So I'm, I'm praying in tongues and she says, hey, when did you learn Romanian? <laughs> I don't know Romanian. Well, you were just telling me that I need to go back to church. I'm like, I'm like sounds like good advice. <laughs> Another time my dad was in a prayer meeting with a couple people and and uh, he was praying in tongues, praying over the service, not sure what to pray. He's praying, and a guy, a guy who was a border guard up here, he's like, hey, when did you learn um, Spanish? I'm like, well, I don't know Spanish. I'm like, oh, you were praying for the men and the boys that they would enter into worship. Huh, sounds like a good prayer. <laughs> you see, when we pray in the Spirit, the Spirit of God flows through us to connect to exactly what's on God's heart. The goal is that God's will would be done. His purposes would be accomplished. In Acts 2, it said this, that they were all confused. <laughs> Folks, we've been confused for thousands of years. <laughs> and the word heard, they were confused because they didn't understand how these people were hearing them speak in their own Language That word heard means they understood. When the Holy Spirit comes, what doesn't make sense begins to make sense. Some of you in this room, listen to me, you have friends and family members who don't know God and you're trying to be the Holy Spirit in their life. The Holy Spirit is the one that awakens the heart, shows exactly what needs to be said, we aren't smart enough, slick enough, attractive enough, enough, rich enough to convince anyone of the goodness of God. God has to speak to their heart. And my job is to be open and available and say, God, what do you want me to do? You want me to speak? You want to be silent? You want me to go pray? You want me to serve? I'm available. 
And in that place of availability, God will speak much more than you trying really hard. Amen? God brought confusion upon mankind back in Genesis 11 because they were united in an evil purpose. God brought a pure language at Pentecost, bringing unity to a people whose hearts had been cleansed because of their belief in Christ. God's purpose in Pentecost was to fill his people with his spirit, uniting them into his purpose. What's that purpose? Acts 1. Jesus said right before he left, you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, your hometown, in Judea, your state, Washington, your country, to the ends of the earth. You're going to be my witnesses to the other ends of the earth. And how am I going to be a witness? Because the Spirit's going to come upon me, and I'm surrendered to His leading, and I'm going to go. Can I experience Pentecost? On that day, I, this is one of my favorite parts of the whole um, Acts passage, Peter gets up. And there's all these people making fun of these people that are experiencing these tongues of fire and this whole thing. Why? And they're saying, like, these people have got to be drunk. It's like nine in the morning, and they're speaking loudly in these different languages. And they say, these people must be drunk. Peter, who, let me say this, was the same guy that was so ashamed of Jesus that a servant girl around a burning barrel the night he was betrayed says, hey, aren't you one of his disciples? And he's like, no, he swears and just walks away. He had fear in his heart. He was wrestling with timidity. He was struggling. But on the day of Pentecost, boldness took over. And I've seen this happen in my life. I've seen this happen in a junior high girl named Ellie at a winter camp. Little Ellie, she's like 12 years old, goes forward in a service, gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. The next thing I know, she's praying over the high school senior guys. What? Boldness. Because the Spirit of God comes in you and His emotion takes over. His passions take over. His joy takes over. And you go, I gotta go. Peter, the one that denied Jesus three times, gets up in front of a crowd of probably around 5,000 people and says, hey, listen to me. These people aren't drunk. But what what, this is what God said would happen. He was going to send his Holy Spirit. He sent Jesus, and all you 5,000 people, you rejected him. You killed him. Imagine saying that to 5,000 people. You're the one that messed it up. He did miracles. He preached with power, and he was killed by you and your religious leaders. And then God raised him from the dead, and now he's in heaven. You know what their response was? This is what happens when the Holy Spirit shows up. What do we do? See, the Holy Spirit's the one that changes the heart. The Holy Spirit's the one that convicts the mind and convicts the heart. But he flows through willing vessels that say, Spirit of God, here I am, use me. And Peter said this in Acts 2, 37, 38. And Peter said, repent, and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is a three-step program. One, 
repent, turn. Not your way anymore, his way. Not your plan anymore, his plan. God, my life is yours. Two, be baptized. Publicly declare, hey, I'm following him. Friends, family, let me tell you all about it. Get dunked, come up. Three, receive the, bat, the promise of the Holy Spirit. Now, you might say, well, you know, when I became a Christian, didn't I receive the Holy Spirit? In, in Ephesians 1, it actually says this. It says that the Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until we go to heaven. So yes, you did receive the Holy Spirit when you were a Christian. But that, when you, when you accepted Christ. But what you did not receive is empowerment for service. That's Acts 1.8. And God desires that we would be his witnesses in the world. Not just with our good words and our attempts at nice service, but no, with a demonstration of him. His character, his personhood, the fact that he wants to impact people through you, his conviction, his power, that comes through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And I can prove it to you that it's two separate things. Five years later, after the day of Pentecost, in chapter 8, there was a group of people a little out of town in a place called Samaria, and it says this, But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God, and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both man and woman. In verse 14, it says this. Now, the apostles at Jerusalem. I guess we don't have those. Okay. But when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God. They sent it to Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of Jesus. Then what happened? Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Weren't they already saved? Yep. Did they get baptized? Yep. But it's clear that there was a third thing. There was an empowerment. There was a receiving of the Spirit that needed to happen. One more example. 24 years later after this in Acts 19, Apollos is in a place called Corinth and Paul is passing through the inland country and comes to Ephesus when he finds some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He said to them, no, we haven't even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. I think there's some churches like that. I think there's some Christians like that. And, and that wasn't an attempt to throw any rocks at anybody. I, I think there's a lot of people that would say, well, I, I haven't really even heard about this Holy Spirit thing. A lot of people in that spot. And he said, into what were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. In other words, stop doing bad stuff, start doing good stuff. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus. They're like, oh, Jesus is the point. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. They got saved. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they began to speak in tongues and to prophesy. This was a necessary step, not just enough to believe and be baptized. We need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why does this matter? Because he's called us to be witnesses. I cannot be an effective witness for God in the power of God unless he empowers me. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? The old King James Version says, have you received the Holy Spirit since you've believed? 
let me tell you my experience real quick. And it's this. When I accepted Jesus into my heart, I received the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit came in my life and I started to have a relationship with God. John 14 says that the Holy Spirit would be with us and that he would dwell in us. So when I accept Jesus, he's with me. And then when I am baptized or receive the Spirit, he is in me. We experience the awe of God in this moment. The Holy Spirit, like Nick said, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the spirit of knowledge and counsel. God starts doing stuff and untwisting my heart and doing all these epic things in me. And then I had a moment when I went to a camp meeting, I experienced the gift of tongues, and I came forward, and they laid hands on me, I started praying in tongues, and this cool thing happened, and, and I experienced an empowerment in God, not just to do things internally and morally, but now to be advancing to share Him with others. But it doesn't actually stop there. Ephesians 5, 18 says this, don't get drunk on wine, for that's debauchery or cheapens your life. It erodes your heart and your soul. Ever, anyone ever experienced that with alcohol? It erodes your heart and your soul. But be what? Filled with the Spirit. This means this. It's a choice. It's something I can step into to be filled with the Spirit. Now, when I accept Jesus, I am filled with the Spirit in me, he dwells with me. When I, I get prayed for and, or I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he empowers me for his service. But folks, I need him every day because I leak and I get grumpy and tired and I have bad attitudes and I need him to refresh my heart again, do something new in me again. How do I get filled? Well, I can tell you this, it's not about performance. It's about openness. Two, don't overthink it. Just start praising God. Three, don't let unforgiveness steal from you what God has. It's really hard to receive from God when we're angry and frustrated. You need a heart that is settled and surrendered. Nick, could you pop on up? And I just, I just want to, I want to do this. I, I, I can't manufacture anything, can't force anything to happen. But what we can do is simply say, Spirit of God, we want you. We want friendship with you. We want your lordship in our life. And we want you to have your way in us. So I'm just, we're just going to take a couple minutes and we're just going to um, receive from God. And and I just, I just want to do this. Can we actually just all just stand on up? And we're just, in your way, as you are you, I just invite you to say, come Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we simply say, you're good, you're a person, God, I pray for anyone here, God, that's experienced anything where they had weird experiences in church or in life. Maybe things were hurtful. And God, we lift those all to the cross. We, we, don't, want, we don't want what man makes, but we do want all that God makes. 
So we just say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. You're welcome in my life. Can we just all just say that? Holy Spirit, you're, you're welcome. You're welcome in my heart. You're welcome in my life. And can we just, right now, as, as they just keep playing, I just invite you just to start sharing thankfulness to God. God, I just thank you for my family. I thank you, for God, for how you've provided for me. God, I thank you, God, that you're close to me. I thank you, God, for places where you've provided for me. Thank you, God, for when I've gotten off track, you've always pulled me back. Thank you that you're a faithful and close God. Close with this one final thought is that a friend of mine, I heard him talking, a guy talking, and he said, he said, you know, all my friends were having these great experiences where they were experiencing God in powerful ways in service. And one day, me and three buddies went out snorkeling. We come up out of the water, and I saw the beauty of God all around me. And me and my friends just started worshiping God. And he said, in that moment, I started to say something that I never knew before. And I'm like, huh, I'm speaking in tongues. God desires to give good gifts, but he has a beautiful way he wants to do it each one of our hearts. Jason, can you come? Give our benediction. And can we put that slide on the... There we go. Is that our benediction today? It is today. Glory. <laughs> All right. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Bless you guys. Thanks for coming. Have an amazing week. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. He loves the hungry heart. He wants to pour fire on our lives. Bless you guys.